0: Welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. Hey, friends. Welcome. On a Greetings. scale to one, two, you just got a free chocolate bar. How happy are you today? Need to know. Josh, go.
1: Four. I didn't get a chocolate bar, so.
0: Four. Wow. Okay. Brett?
2: I would say like a two, maybe.
0: Oh, ouch! Okay, right?
3: <laughs> uh, asparagus.
0: asparagus. Wow, I feel well, like we're I got-
2: getting stunted
1: on by Alexis and her <laughs> chocolate bar right now. I think she's flexing yeah.
3: on the fact that she I, got a free chocolate bar.
1: I
0: got a free chocolate bar. I also have uh, a new rainbow-colored slinky that I've been playing with when I uh, have a lot going on in my brain. So uh, <laughs> just doubling down on the happy here in my office today. So I hope you all <laughs> listen. Did it are- walk
2: down any stairs or anything?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I don't have she stairs. Throws, it's an know, extension office. Grip. We don't believe in stairs here. So Walk
2: down some piles of publications or uh, Kentucky proud recipe cards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have all those hanging in like a shoe organizer on the walls of our conference room. It's like the whole <laughs> wall is just a bunch of shoe organizers with an well, extension. Cards. When we don't
2: have stairs, we have to have innovation. That's all I'm saying.
0: We learned a lot (laughs) from uh, COVID. It was how to pivot and how to innovate.
2: Yeah, pivot. Shut up, anyways.
0: I'm so sorry that you all are. Asparagus level While well, I'm over here Eating my But I like car. asparagus
2: Yeah I was
3: going to say so Maybe he likes asparagus. asparagus Yeah so the, You you just made a value judgment on me I don't know how I yeah. feel about that Asparagus is fine
0: Honestly I just saw uh, Apparently some people Read asparagus Like they read tea leaves Whoa. So it just popped up On my <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me how it's done, um, I, but uh, I saw that. Did that I just think.
1: pop up in, like, a visualized dream you had, or, like, what are we talking <laughs> about? I mean, it dream? popped
0: up on Facebook, so pretty I much, s- yeah.
2: <laughs> the slinky, the slinky, she's been using the slinky like a magic eight ball. <laughs> Let
0: yeah. me you tell read you. Asparagus
2: leaves? Outlook likely. <laughs> yeah. Most likely.
0: They're asparagus spears—I'm kind of wondering if they use them like the water. Um, what are those things called? We've talked oh, about. Yeah, the water, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. yeah. So I'm kind of wondering if that's how they use asparagus spears. Asparagus
3: rods just asparagus. doesn't have the same. Um, it doesn't have the same swagger, asparagus rods don't.
0: No, it just how about
3: asparagus spears. That sounds a little bit better. <laughs> but it's not very descriptive of divining rods
2: so. That's why asparagus comes out early. It's a first to market kind of thing, so you don't compare it to everything else available. No,
3: it has to yeah. have that competitive advantage of That's being right. the only one. We,
2: you oh, use wow. the crossed
1: asparagus to find your market for asparagus.
3: Oh, nice. Josh is ready for the top. Look at him. He's already leaning into lean
2: army. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. What, what I was, was the hoping though.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was hoping the segue to lean would be you all commenting on how I have an obvious six-pack. Mm.
0: <laughs> I mean, underneath your – so Josh's camera <laughs> is about four we feet to above of him a of <laughs> Reference.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, and he's wearing we, a you, very Are you filming slantle. from a
1: drone? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a tower. The answer is
0: yes. But uh, anyways, we're talking about lean farming today, and if you don't know what that is, well, you're in the right place. Uh, so, Josh, <laughs> glad to hear
2: I'm in the right place. Tell us because about. I have no idea.
0: Tell us about. Give us a. Give us a definition. Give us a mm. dictionary definition of lean.
2: Ooh.
1: Okay. Lean in the general abstract sense is about looking at your whatever it is you're doing. So, some kind of let's say a farm. Your farm's capacity, uh, the, the central dogma is that the capacity is equal to the work being put in, in addition to the waste. And lean is about reducing work being defined as something that adds value for your customer, and waste is any activity that you're engaging in that does not. And so lean is about reducing that second half to increase the value that you're creating for your customer.
3: You said the word customer a whole lot. So I'm assuming, Josh, that that's a pretty important part of the equation or part of the concept of lean. Yes. yeah. Yeah, very
1: much. A lot is talking about trying to figure out what it is that your customer is valuing in your products and services and making sure that you're working to deliver that.
0: And if you are a home gardener and you're like, well, this isn't for me because I don't sell anything. Your customer might be, you know, your kid or your spouse, or you are <laughs> or sometimes your, your, your own customer. So, or your <laughs> right. tummy. So, it's is this is for everybody, right? So,
2: yes, I think would would efficiency be a nice word to throw out, but one of the buzzwords to throw out around lean.
1: Uh, yeah, I would say so. But to kind of, you know, be prepared to question maybe assumptions you might have about efficiency. I'm prepared. Okay, good. Because. Uh, there's a lot of association with efficiency about you know just reducing the need for human labor or you know reducing the number of employees. like there's kind of a, a negative association with efficiency like the efficiency consultant coming in and laying off a bunch of people. It's not that kind of efficiency. it's more about efficiency of production and time being used. Working uh,
2: smarter, and- not with fewer workers.
1: Correct. And in a a more enjoyable, less drudgery sort of way.
2: Oh.
3: And I saw something associated with lean. Uh, It's been a while back and I was trying to, I don't want to misquote this, but it was something to the effect of, you know, as you're striving to make your, you know, you're not always striving to be bigger, you're striving to be better. And that's a, a, there's a lot to unpack there because Mm -hmm. uh, it's not always the goal to be a bigger operation. That may not be your goal. But mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting that it was kind of explicit. Someone had wrote that down in association with lean farming was mm-hmm. it was their goal to always be better. And that's one of the concepts. Uh, you know, we ad- this thing has been adapted for manufacturing, this lean concept, mm-hmm. but uh, that the final Tier in, you know, lean manufacturing is perfection. But I guess that's where that was coming from on the farming side. They said, we don't want to be bigger. That was not the goal in this operation. They said, we are always striving to be better. I guess that's the efficiency, Josh, Brett. Well, oh, yeah, like,
1: like I would say, because I read that, uh, a similar kind of case study, which uh, one of the things I'm referencing is a book called The Lean Farm. By ben Hartman. It's about 200 pages and it was published in 2015. It's not very expensive or hard to find, but he talks specifically about their farm, which is a smaller mixed vegetable operation. And that for them, improving efficiency wasn't necessarily about growing more or otherwise grow, uh, becoming a bigger operation. Like Ray said, more about like what they wanted to focus on was to kind of scale down some of their production, but still mm. adding value, and they, you know, ex- demonstrate that over time they're plowing less space but improving their profitability each year, mm-hmm. and focusing more of their time on things that add quality as defined by the customer, uh, kind of value-added products, things like that, or focusing on like servicing the customer in a, in conjunction with, you know, providing them vegetables say providing them with like recipes and things like that, mm-hmm. sort of things that connect the, the customer with the farm because that was something they were looking for. Hmm. Um, so yeah, like Ray said, it's not about using your efficiency to get big necessarily, but to focus on, you know, quality delivering value. Right.
2: I think, you know, one of the things when we t- jump into any topic, we think about like, what is it that we want to do? Mm-hmm. Like what are the interventions we're going to take? what are we going to change? What are we going to not change? And I I think one of the things in in lean thought partially is there, there's quite a bit of opportunity for data collection and analysis and understanding of processes and communication of those different pieces of information to different people involved in the organization. Hmm. That's always been something that has jumped out at me about, you know, you're starting, you're trying to start from a place of better understanding in order to make changes that are, effective and to some extent predictable. Right. And that's
3: what I've read under the value, which is like the the, the first thing that I see uh, discussed a lot in the lean process is value in terms of knowing what the customer wants and needs versus what you want to produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's part of that value statement. I guess Josh, that's also sometimes called pull in that concept, you know, of producing what is needed versus, you know, what you want to push out. You want to see where the market pulls you or where the pull is. But that right. the, the value statement of what the customer needs. And that's not an easy thing, is it? Uh, knowing right. exactly what the customer, not only what they want but how much of it they want and when they want it sort of a three-part thing there and guys you have done so many programs on a state level over the years and you've worked with so much data and so many cool modeling activities and a lot of it speaks to those three things you know as customer preference and needs and and desires Mm. and it's not an easy thing and you guys made me appreciate the complexity of really knowing that and how much you have to be very deliberate to know that
1: and it it specifically mentions also that even if you manage to nail that target, there has to be an understanding that the demand, the the pull of customers, what they value, can change. So being prepared to you know reevaluate what what is value as defined by your customer
2: to make a to make a grounded connection back to to something else that I often mention in those statewide meetings and things that I go to is that when we have it, when we're growing products, I'd say some of the most uh, difficult conversations I have with people uh, is when they have decided to bring a product to market for which there is no local demand and then local consumers don't buy it and they get frustrated. And I discouraged. Yeah. And, and it often happens after it's already been grown or after, and that could be a particular crop. It could be a particular, uh, you know, certified organic or certified naturally grown or ash free beef or whatever the thing is and I, I think one of the ways that I describe it in terms of efficiency and ease is that it's it's much easier to sell a person a product that they already want mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that the the I looked into so in the food world uh, this is a couple of years ago just fast food marketing spends 55 or sorry 11 billion dollars a year on marketing their products to try to get people to make a decision they weren't already going to make. And fast food's pretty tasty. And so they're already, you know, you don't have that kind of budget. So to try to convince people, and we talk about educating people into wanting our products, there is, there is some truth to that, but there's also a really nice opportunity to sell people what they already want or help them to understand how your product is something that they already want. And it just kind of speaks to that same, on the marketing side, it speaks to that same meeting the actual desires and, and values of the customer high quality local foods, for instance, most people who buy local food are buying it as their top reason is freshness and quality. Right. And then there's things like food safety. There's things like supporting local farmers. Those all factor in. But if you're delivering a, if you grow it local, they will come approach and it's really bad quality. You're not meeting customer demand and you're not, you're shooting yourself in the foot by having gotten bigger to produce more lower quality stuff. And so just a different, little different angle on that. But I think that's a really interesting thinking of the the customer's purchase decision and the production decisions and the marketing decisions, all as this one system with Mm -hmm. different components is a really interesting part of lean.
1: Yeah. And and that like as Ray had mentioned, it's the pull, right? That that is sort of the the focal point of looking at this system. It's like the pull of those customers pulling products through your system and what activity is is facilitating that pull and what is uh, not necessarily and can be reduced.
3: And if you can get to the pool, that seems like a great place. If you can truly target and be accurate on the pool, that just means that there's less resistance for you getting products out the door. Mm. Uh, and you've provided great value for the customer because you're providing what they want when they want it. So yeah, the right. value. and
1: uh, I know with me, it's easy for me to get too focused on some details of this. And one of the things that I liked about lean and in some ways it's kind of parent system of, you know, sometimes referred to as like the Toyota way of these like kind of larger efficiency projects is that understanding two things, your goal is perfection, but also understanding that it's going to be a continuous process. So like, you don't have to be perfect in understanding your pull to start trying to implement other things in the kind of like lean model. You can, you know, definitely spend some time and try to figure out what it is your customer's value. And then, you know, start looking at the, the production process and implementing some lean ideas there and going back and forth and the understanding this is going to be a thing that changes over time. And that you're always good you, you're just kind of on the lookout for ways in which you can improve, and that there's this kind of continuous improvement rather than looking for the final system,
2: I guess. Yeah. So, just a side note. Um, so, in my bonsai world, there's this one guy who is probably the best practitioner in the United States, and he studied. Is, in it, Japan. is his
1: name Brett Wolf? Brett
2: Wolf. <laughs> I mean, that's not for, that's not for me to say. <laughs> i'm gonna leave that one to the historians (laughs) but but like like most his name is ryan neal he's a polarizing figure and like many brilliant people he is a bit crazy but he named his business bonsai mirai this is a japanese term and mirai refers according to him refers to an ever unattainable future nice and it kind of is a similar thing of this like you're not ever going to arrive like it is mm-hmm. lean is an effort and a, and a directional movement based system it's not an arrival point or a starting point it's mm-hmm. like a continuous a point yeah, yeah right yeah cool. if
1: you can fall in
2: love with the process you're there Something like <laughs> coke like kobe or, uh, or somebody it's like <laughs> i think i heard Nike, that at like Nike a how Nike to facilitate <laughs> m- meeting one time but very yeah <laughs> zen. that's
3: very zen i like mm-hmm. it well that this is all the value uh, mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about the customers and wants and needs and trying to figure out all that, which we need to, we could talk about that all day. That That's some good sure. stuff. But the next thing that I see that sort of talked about is the value stream. And we've sort of already touched on it, but that's mapping the kind of the steps and processes on your farm to kind of bring the product with minimal waste to the customer. hmm I'm trying to think of some practical uh applications of that. I mean, it's everywhere. That's really the farm side sure, of things yeah. is the it's value the, stream.
1: That side of it, I mean, as important as it is to know the uh what your customers are looking for and their what they value and and how to feel that pull. It's the part that I get really excited about and you know, am in love with the process is things associated with that like improving the the production process side of things. And there's, you know, this kind of, I don't know if mnemonic's is the right word, but one of the tactics or tools of Lean um, that's really popular to kind of mention is this like principles of five S, that there's like five different S's that you look at your process with. And, you know, I'll just list them real quick and we can talk about them. But you know, there's sort, which is kind of eliminating unused tools and non essential items from your process, uh, setting an order, a sort of basically storing things where they're used and where you can see them according to their frequency of use. wait, you wait know. a minute,
3: this sounds like a con almost like a what's the name condo, the the person that was famous for Murray organization. Condo. Thank you. Yes, that mm. sounds very similar, sure, <laughs> right? Condo. Yeah, the yeah. The I and mean, I mean, there's some Mark notions. Joy.
1: Not, spark joy. <laughs> no, not quite but it's also similar to like you know <laughs> when we had the episode on permaculture like the zone sort of system having mm-hmm. things near that are used frequently yeah. so yeah sort set in order the third one is shine and that's about like kind of keeping the workplace clean and tidy standardized is another one and essentially like the process standardizing the process of production across all the people who are engaged in it. So it's not, that's a big
3: one. That's a big one. Wow.
1: A task performed, a task is performed the same way, no matter who's doing it, putting tools back in the place that they were kind of cleaning workspaces in the same way every day, like a standardization of production. And then the fifth one is sustaining, like making that part of your farm or organization's culture to kind of have accountability for these things occurring frequently and continuously.
3: You know, this one This one really resonates with me because I know even when I, you know, we were producing as a family, but even now when my desk is messy at work, that means my mm-hmm. mind is messy. That's how totally. I work. And yeah. when I want to kind of put things in place in my mind, I physically organize my surroundings. Doesn't matter if it's a tool shed or the piles of paperwork on my desk. When I organize that, there's a part of my brain that also gets organized and helps mm-hmm. me kind of, you know, prioritize things and help me work through things. So, yeah, this this is a part that that I really like. And, and once again, it doesn't matter if it's unused tools that I'm trying to figure out. Why is that junk sitting there in my mm-hmm. operation or why is that stack of paper smeared all over my desk? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But, yeah, I. Cluttered work environment means my mind is cluttered, literally. Yeah. It affects me in that way. It doesn't affect everyone. Everyone has their own organization, you know, principles and the way they operate. But for me, that, that is, yeah.
1: The organization of disorganization. I mean, I can confess that <laughs> I used to be somebody who had kind of a, I always had a sloppy work environment because that was what I came up under the people that I worked for were also sloppy. And, you know, part of getting good at the job was understanding how the mind works of the person who originally like scattered things around. Right. And Mm -hmm. I associated that with like, you know, just doing better and going through and and learning this kind of uh, system changed me completely in the way that I am with organizing my workspaces and Cleaning stuff and having a clean workspace, honestly, to me, makes engaging in work more pleasant. I spend yes, less time. Like, there's nothing more frustrating than looking for a tool when you need it right then, mm-hmm. or looking for some kind of device that is like draining. And when we're that not, doesn't happen,
3: talking yeah. about you, Alexis, and your operation, I don't know how <laughs> not, I mean, you you uh, produce things, and I mean, is this any of this ringing true for you? How does this apply for you as far as? And this also relates to flow, I guess, Josh, that's the next thing we usually talk about. But as far as just, you know, what we're talking about here, how does that, I mean, can you think of like situations, Alexis, where that relates?
0: Yeah, the whole like, can't find a tool when you're looking for a thing is the most frustrating because mm-hmm. for me, I think of it as like, I mean- time is money right so it's like yeah. if i spend 10 minutes walking around and when i have such limited time to be doing the farm work that i need to be doing if i'm wasting 10 minutes it is so incredibly frustrating and that makes the whole process more frustrating makes me in a cranky mood like so i i've been really trying to improve my processes it can be hard i think the win like we're in winter right now and the reason we wanted mm-hmm. to talk about lean farming now for you all is that for a lot of us, it is a good time. We're a little bit more slowed down. A lot of the things that we can do are inside and we can work on some of those like organization and the processes. And I know for me, it can be hard to get started, but once I'm like Mm -hmm. doing it, it's exciting. And I always think of like, what is my problem and how, like what were all my problems last year? What frustrated Mm -hmm. me? What got in the way? And you know maybe the problem is that you had too many cherry tomatoes. Uh, maybe you could <laughs> find all your tools, but you, could, you didn't have enough cherry tomatoes. So asking yourself why you had all these this waste, or
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: if this why you were looking for tools is it because you didn't tell your workers how to put them away properly? Did you not take the time to educate someone? Yeah. Wh- what is it? And so just kind of stepping through like a flow chart is the way my mm-hmm. brain works as like. Yes or no to this, yes or no to this to find and a product, I think is kind of part of that lean.
1: Yeah. Idea. Kind of philosophy. Yeah. yeah. And I would say when it comes to, I mean, I love doing this stuff, uh, organizing and, and setting things in place and uh, kind of creating an efficient workspace just for my own like enjoyment and hobbies and things mm. like that but i think when it comes to a circumstance where you have workers right who are entering your Mm -hmm. workspace that this becomes so much more crucial right because people different people use a tool and it doesn't necessarily go back in the same place and you've added this like layer of complexity for finding things and and onboarding people or bringing people into an environment you know where things have changed Mm -hmm. a little bit day to day just requires more uh, mental bandwidth and time right to like get them up to speed to what's happening yeah.
0: nothing so will me- give you a rude awakening quite like hiring someone or having help like that was right. my when someone else had to find and follow my processes it was like oh without
3: any training at all oh damn
0: i really <laughs> messed up <laughs> yeah well and it's like It works for you. And maybe it's not a bad process if you're alone in your garden, right? But, and maybe it's efficient for the way you do things and the knowledge that you have. But when you're bringing somebody else in, their brain does not think like yours does. And that was a, I was like, whoa, okay, I gotta slow my roll here. When that happened, and I brought on somebody to be like, "This is where I I put things," and they're like, "Why? <laughs> <You're>
1: like, <laughs> how is this uh, organized?" Like, according to a thing, I can't really articulate. I, think, I cannot yeah.
0: tell you, you exactly. That I just yet. because this thing looks like this thing, and I associate it with the color blue, and so <laughs> right. like that's not how it works for most that, people. That brings
1: up an interesting kind of more specific tactic. You know, when it comes to places where there's lots of employees, it's really crucial to figure a lot of these things out like your process and mm-hmm. onboarding people and one of the tools they use is color coding in organization right mm-hmm. like things that are you can associate tools with certain colors you could put some kind of a label on them that's a color mm-hmm. and have them in a place just that there are these ways that so somebody could i mean the so the perfection ideal that i like to think of is to me a, a perfectly organized workspace is somebody walking in who has never been there before Mm -hmm. understanding where everything is and how to do the thing Mm -hmm. if they've done it somewhere else i have kind
2: of a an an interesting example it's not from agriculture but it carries over pretty well so there's a um a place in town here called broke spoke which is a community bike shop Hmm. and the idea is that not everybody has access to all the tools and uh bikes are actually a really important mode of transportation for people who can't afford cars in addition to the you know, people who ride it for health or for transportation reasons or whatever. And so it's a space where people literally are doing exactly what you said, Josh. People are coming into the shop for the first, maybe the only time. And you can go up to this work stand and use space. And they have a whole all the different tools, all the different Allen wrenches and, and other wrenches and, and uh, chain tools and all that kind of stuff. And what they did was they laid all those out on like a pegboard kind of situation, all the mm-hmm. tools. And then they took and they spray painted over everything so that the tool (laughs) becomes the color and and each stand is a different color. So one of them's pink, one of them's blue, one of them's purple. So when you go in with your buddy and she's on the pink stand and you're on the purple stand and you come over with your tool to help her get something off, hold one side while she gets the other side off and then you put it down it's obvious where that tool goes. Cause there's an outline on the board of where it goes. And it's obvious uh-huh. where it goes. Cause it's color coordinated. And like yeah, that, I remember awesome. going in there and being like, Oh, you all, you all are really <laughs> at this a while. Cause this is awesome. Cause they have some tools that like no right minded person would, would buy. Cause they need it like one time. And, they're-
3: <laughs> and They work with a lot of volunteers, don't they, Brett? And that's Hons probably of the motivation. Yeah. 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 Different yeah. people all the time in broke spoke. So that was probably the motivation and all of the ultimate goal of everything we're talking about is what, uh, to increase the value stream you know mm-hmm. to, you know, facing towards the customer we're also talking about a lot of stuff that sort of bleeds into the next concept of flow but uh, another interesting example brett that i had somebody kind of and i guess it fits into this but we were talking about refrigeration on their farm which is absolutely necessary in a lot of instances but after reviewing their farm and what they wanted to do and what they wanted to be and the products that they wanted to deliver they eliminated refrigeration i was like whoa what hmm. because you know refrigeration is a very integral component of a lot of operations it has to be but they really took a hard look at what they wanted to do the products they wanted to deliver instead of holding products for longer they produced fewer products and delivered them fresh only only fresh which you know is a takes a lot of planning that that is true hmm. lean philosophy of delivering just what is needed on time but yeah. they, after they had been doing that operation several years, they were able to do that. And that really struck me is that that seems like they were eliminating. I said, where you eliminate refrigeration, that seems like it's more risk on your side. They're like, yeah, but we can pass along the savings of not having the electrical cost. We can pass along the savings, the value onto the customers. So right. it fits into this and the flow. They manage the flow of their farm operation to take that into account by delivering, you know, Just what was needed at that time. so.
1: So something that really stood out to me as a radical concept when I was first getting into this and starting to like internalize some of the ideas like these abstract concepts was in that flow concept that in lean systems, you do not want to hide problems. Like you confront mm-hmm. them, and that that process, right, of getting rid of refrigeration, acting as this kind of buffer of production, mm-hmm. right? You can throw things in there. They exactly, stick and they that's stay. what it was. Yeah, it's like you can uh, moving in the direction of like you know you don't put you don't hide your messes. You force yourself to confront these conflicts in your process, so that, that you will address the root cause
2: of them instead of I think, hiding I think my them. therapist might be into lean production
0: <laughs> <laughs> i uh this or re- this reminds me of the refrigeration i've had so there's this thing in like the flower world right and everyone will tell you the first thing that you need when you get started if you're serious about you know selling flowers is a cooler right because unlike vegetables flowers often sure. do necessarily have to have cooling mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. a good solid product. Right. So, so there is that. And so, but I didn't have a cooler. I had like just an air conditioned room for the first mm-hmm. two years that I produced. Uh, and it definitely set some limits, but what it taught me was how to move my product, yeah, um, mm-hmm. how to move it better when to harvest, um, you know, and, you know, like I said, I had a, I had an air conditioned room, but it wasn't a room I could drop down to, you know, 35 degrees or something like that. So when people come to me and they're new growers and they say, Hey, do I really need a cooler? Cause it's, that can be an investment. Even if you're doing something like a cool bot. I mean, oh, you're sure. looking at yeah. several hundred dollars, if not a thousand dollars just to get started. And that's just not really practical for a lot of people. And I just said, well, you either need to get a cooler or you need to get better at marketing your product uh and and that works out right because then when you do get a cooler you are really good at that and so i think yeah. that that's part of You're less likely
1: to use it as a crutch and rather yeah, like yeah.
0: really
2: blow things open.
0: Right yeah. right. and So
2: i have i have a question about kind of what you're talking about alexis and and other things like that so um right now we're sort of saying or what thus far what i've gotten is kind of like think about your process and make adjustments based on what would be better. And that's great if you are a heavily repetitive thinking analytical person mm-hmm. like Alexis or I am. But is there like a how, how do you prioritize? How do you get those places for improvement out in the open or made more clear? Is it like a weekly meetings kind of thing? Is it like a conversations with employees? I know in the Toyota way, there was a mechanism for employees through this Kaizen? Yeah, mechanism to, to this continuous improvement idea that an employee knows their task better than anyone. So they mm-hmm. should be able to inform and say how things get better. But I'm just curious, like, you know, I'm a, <clears throat> when my, I'm looking at different shelves to buy for my house, I make a spreadsheet of all the shelves. So I'm a, I'm a, to compare and contrast their ability. So I'm a, how do I assemble the data? How do I assemble the information Am I supposed to just sort of freeform come up with the lean ideas that I want mm-hmm. to make? What's the is there are there mechanisms for that for discovering and bringing those things out into the open?
3: To me, it's what the customer wants, and you work from the customer perspective and mm-hmm. figuring out how to deliver that with the most minimal inputs and the most in the most efficient way possible. To me, it goes back to you know ground zero. You know, it goes back. Yeah. to what I guess. You I
1: guess and, and I'm if you're buyer. buying shelves, right, you are the customer, like what do you want from these shelves? What are you trying to do? What is comfortable for you to do? You know, what is, and that kind of leads me to something like the idea of what's comfortable to use and interact with. One of the books, the other book that I would recommend for somebody who wants to go hard into this is the Toyota way field book from 2005. It's about 450 pages. It's pretty hardcore, a lot about philosophy and things like that, but that, the only one of the things that mentioned in the book is that the only place you can receive formal training in essentially the West to be taught about efficiency and workplace design is to go to culinary school, hmm. which is where they everything is like down to the minutes the of science. timing and things and moving around and being prepared for like very diverse processes to make things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But being uh, being in this adaptable, fast moving environment where timing is key. And so you know, they have it down really hard about like, how high should the shell, how high should shelves be? How high should a workspace be? In comparison to like the hip height of your body, and like how far you need to be able or should reach that's comfortable for your mm-hmm. shelf mounting and all those things. So to me, it you know, when you're figuring out your shelves, it's like, really knowing intimately what you want from that shelf.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I there. guess, I and, guess my, my question before was kind, kind of related to that in the sense of like, okay, yeah. so I'm, I'm carrying a box of carrots from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. The thought mm-hmm. goes off in my mind. It'd be really cool if actually I got a bike with a little trailer on it to make this go faster. Mm-hmm. And then if it's me, that thought evaporates from my mind and is now gone. And all mm-hmm. of the lean insights that I'm having throughout the day are probably, you know, they're, they're going away. So is it mm-hmm. like, you set structured time, you need to have like a notebook on hand or a phone app, whatever to write this stuff down. I'm, I'm thinking about like how I would try to implement it.
3: Yeah.
1: As an individual person where you don't have employees to consult, cause that that's in the, in the Toyota way it's like routine consulting with employees. They get, you know, paid bonuses if they identify like, efficiency improvements that are implemented and how far and wide they're implemented can it can scale the bonuses but when it's just you I mean I think that's down to the individual but I'm my first farm and every time I've been on a farm I always have in my pocket like a little Mm -hmm. notebook that I scribble things on and then Mm -hmm. it's it's there and yeah maybe I don't look at it for like months Mm-hmm. But then I do. And I star things and circle things a lot where I'm like, I really liked that idea. Mm-hmm. And then can come back and, you know, start to try to like integrate it into the process or consider it when I'm not in a rush carrying my character. But you have
3: some way to capture that. And that's the yeah. main thing, I guess. Right. And that's going to look different if you're working with five new farm workers and on average one new farm worker per month alexis as far as communicating <laughs> trying to standard- say
0: i run people off Ray? Is that no i'm
3: trying, trying to say? say you work with a lot of good people see uh,
2: you're expanding rapidly
1: yes
3: it's but so well, but they is, move on and
2: you know yeah.
3: oh yeah there's something
2: to be said <laughs> how about have you that. done it alexis
0: yeah i think that i think I think you got to live in a space. So I have been, I've like I've Yoda had a lot something. of steps, right? <laughs> like I've gone from like running farm space. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, whether you're gardening, right? You always go, you go from one raised bed to two raised beds, you know, to you're having a half an acre garden or whatever. Right. We all kind of have this level of scale mm-hmm. and, and that's part of that process is living in that space. So I've moved my studio in my barn, which is right next to my cooler. It's not as fancy as it sounds, but I had to name it something. To like, I think three times now. And part of that is because I got Mm -hmm. some grant money and could, you know, upgrade and stuff like that. But I waited to do a lot of those upgrades until I figured out how I like to work. And so some of that is just like, figuring out the way you like to do things or the way the staff likes to do things. And, you know, depending on who's working with you, like I know that no one else on my farm is really ever going to do design work, right? So it's about the way I like things. And if I bring in people occasionally, they can adapt, but it really needs to be the way that main person is doing stuff. So if you have someone who usually does your wash and pack, they're the ones who should be telling you how to set up a system. I mean, within, you know, reason, but So every time I've moved studio or moved farm or put in a new bed, I've changed something Mm -hmm. and then re-standardized everything else if it was needed. So like my irrigation, if I'm like, I found out this new way, it's part of this process, it's easier for me to keep track of. And so then eventually I convert everything over into one. And so I think that like, don't the, we, we said it earlier, but like, it's something that I have to constantly remind myself of is don't let you know, this idea of perfection be the enemy of the good. And mm. I get really stuck in that. And what lean really is, is just the fact that like you'll never reach perfection, but you're gonna try to get there and Continuously
1: eventually. improve. And it's really yeah.
0: yeah, it's hard about like someone with a like the way my brain works to like know I'm never yeah. gonna have it perfect is like really difficult. So I'm trying to settle in with that, but just live in a space, and that's what I've done, like my my new studio space. Like I know for sure. I love to move in this fashion, right? So I know for sure my tables are going to go one place because that's just the way it works. But there's so much of it that I have learned not to jump ahead and just be like, oh, this shelves will be great here because once I start actually doing things, I might find out that those shelves are not there and it would have saved me more time to just wait and figure out where I wanted them Mm
1: -hmm. when I actually was
0: using them versus then assuming I needed them somewhere or letting someone else tell me where they should be. So live in your space a little bit, Mm -hmm. I think is Mm -hmm. important.
1: Yeah. And I I like that recognizing that it's something that's going to be repeated over and over again. And just remembering that, like when I um, was putting in some of my own shelving and organizing some of my, like my kitchen space or whatever, where I was putting things at first, I was like, wait, where does everything need to go to be most efficient? Mm -hmm. And I let that thought go instead, just start putting things where they kind of make sense for right now, with the understanding that probably in a month you're going to reorganize this, mm-hmm. and probably mm-hmm. in another month you'll reorganize again, and it'll always get a little mm-hmm. bit better as you use it. And something like when we were talking about like what do you do with the ideas when you have them, you know, while you're doing something else and the notebook thing, I realized that about myself about having a pocket notebook at you know that was. 20 years ago, at this point, like in every room of my house, I have a notebook mm-hmm. with its own pens so that I can, like, I never have to walk, like, walk more than five steps to write <laughs> an idea down so I can mm-hmm. go back to whatever I was doing.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: I have think, little you know, one, on one, one, of the,
2: one of the things about your, your kitchen space and some of the spaces that I have in my house that uh, I really like for workspaces is this idea of, like, modularity and... Mm-hmm easy oh, yeah. reorganization. So mm-hmm. like yeah. Josh has these shelves that are on this like French cleat kind of system. And so moving the shelves around, reconfiguring mm-hmm. them is a matter in his case, because they're heavy duty shelves of backing out a screw, moving it to a different spot, putting a screw in. I, I um, and I think too, just like it's, it's important to recognize that it, the way that you have done things in the past has a real powerful gravity to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, as an example, so we have a vacuum, right? And, and in theory, we try to be a clean house. And so the <laughs> vacuum up the things <laughs> is part of what we need to do. We used to have a vacuum and we kept it on the back porch in a closet and you, sometimes things would get put in front of it. And so there's this whole mm-hmm. step and rigmarole and it, lack of efficiency and it's a pain. And it's also a literally additional time to go out and do that. Yeah, We now have a smaller vacuum that just hangs on the wall inside the house can just be grabbed go Mm -hmm. and as a result we vacuum more often and less things get less crazy (laughs) i have some
0: florist friends who said uh when they put it in their two separate floors that share a studio space and they said the best thing that they ever did was put everything on wheels except they have like a couple cabinets Mm. that you know are heavy and they put right up they know you know nothing's going anywhere yep but everything else they put on wheels and i was like duh, like it's, it's sometimes Mm -hmm. like a stupid (laughs) light bulb goes off and you're like, why wouldn't you do that? And just to have that freedom to move things around is huge because you are going to continue to change it depending. I mean, it might go back like the season changes. If I'm doing wreaths, it's going to be a very different system than if I'm doing bouquets. If you're washing lettuce, it's a very different system than packing tomatoes.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So like having that modular I think,
2: yeah, really yeah. I think a, a tool that I'll mention just as a, because you you know, Alexis, you were mentioning about how you have it, you add, a, add another employee in the mix and suddenly realize how crazy everything is when you try to explain it to them. Um, I can relate to that. <laughs> Having people work with me in my shop and I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't know why that's there, <laughs> but I think, you know, to the, to the practical side, there's this, there's this, technique of, of executing these things called time studies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in in work. And we're working with this uh, really uh, brilliant woman out of Oregon called Tanya Murray. She has this tool called Know Your Cost to Grow mm-hmm. that we're learning how to use and, and hopefully hoping to work with growers. But it has it definitely has some elements of lean and it's specifically aimed at deciding whether or not to grow more or less or any of a given crop, depending on how much time it takes. And mm-hmm. to cut to the chase, you you go through processes that you do normally and you time them. So, mm-hmm. like, I know that it takes me 40 seconds, uh, you know, to start the timer, 40 seconds to walk from my house out to the tractor. It takes, you know, eight minutes to hook up a given implement. It took, takes three minutes to drive out to the field. It takes, you know, all, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I, I think, a, accounting for your labor time is a important thing for record keeping for lean for everything. But mm-hmm. interestingly, when you have a clock on you,
0: mm-hmm.
2: suddenly, uh, just like if you have to ever do a food journal, you start to pay attention to the things that you're doing in a more clear way, you're starting yeah. to ask like, why. Why am I walking back and forth twice to go and mm-hmm. do this thing? If I moved both tools to the same place, I wouldn't have to do that. And I think it's just any any structures that you can put in place. And not to say you have to go do a time study, but it can be a helpful way of accounting for it. It, it can be a nice structure for questioning some of your assumptions about what you're doing to really mm-hmm. say. I know for me, I'll think oh, you know, such and such task takes about 20 minutes. So I'll just, you know, do it. And then if I actually timed myself and it actually takes 40 minutes and I'm like, Hi. why does it take 40 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Perhaps it just does, a, but yeah.
3: Then it directly relates to this. And I had completely forgotten about this activity until you were talking about it. But the years ago, there was a leadership activity I was involved in. And, it, and you would think it, as powerful as it was, I would not have forgotten about it, but I thought about it for years. But it was, there was, a, there was this activity, um, where a group that they divided us divided the group up. There was about 30 people in each group, two groups. And they said, here's the activity. You had the place. It was like a ball or a bean bag. It has to go from one hand to the other and go around to everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and they said, time yourself. And we timed ourselves and it took like two minutes and 15 seconds. And we did it pretty fast. We got pretty fast. We got it down to a minute and there was a panel of judges that came around. I mean, they were serious about this and they watched it to make sure we were complying with the spirit of the activity and they gave us parameters. Long story made short, from that two minutes and a half, we got down to a minute. We were like, there is no way we can do better than this. But they said, now we need you to truly work as a group and evaluate yourselves and your processes to accomplish this goal. We went from two and a half minutes down to a little under 10 seconds. And we complied with the spirit of handing that from one to the other in a room of 30 and it was amazing. We, we, have, we were looking at everything. You know, what does it mean to hold that in your hand? Can it just roll down our hands? And we just evaluated everything. And it's amazing, you all, when you really look at everything with a mindset of improving every tiny aspect. And it was an incredible activity. But we told that the, main, the head trainer, there is no way our group can get under a minute. <laughs> then he forced us to work with each other. And then it got really competitive because there's two groups and we was like a little competition. And it was, we, we kind of it was blew us away that we took something that there's like no way we can do this in under a minute. Then we did it under 10 seconds and complied with all the parameters. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess his point being with that activity was you have to evaluate every single aspect, not only your movements, but the what is the philosophical underpinning of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Uh, but it's really good. And I think it directly applies to kind of what you were saying, Brent. It was incredible. Yeah,
1: that, there was. I remember um, when I was on some research for kind of nursery crop production and stuff like that, one of the uh, understandings of kind of like looking at efficiency from the agricultural econo- ec- economists was knowing that for all of these potted plants, the more times that a worker has to touch them, mm-hmm. the more money is invested in them. Right. And so trying to get down to the point where the plants are being touched less and less, no unnecessary moving them
2: around, that kind of thing. That's why each of my bonsai costs $1 million because yeah. I touch it. I touch it a lot.
3: You love I, it. Yeah. You
2: That's love just it. for I, fun. Uh, you mean like touch it as in like do a process to it, not right. just. Right, yeah. exactly. Just, yeah, like, <laughs> and
0: like
2: pet it. it, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah.
1: If you, if you ever
0: want to just like chuckle, come watch me pack an order because I, even though I have a process, I like will second guess myself because God mm-hmm. forbid I trust my process that I set up instinct for myself. Terrible. That is working. Instinct <laughs> better i am just like though, this is here well then no it'll sit better in the bucket over here and it's like i get so mad at myself i was watching that so <laughs> like i it's like i see myself as a bird eye view and i'm like why are you the way you are <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you're asking yourself that pick one thing maybe don't overwhelm yourself with you know efficiencies just kind of pick one thing One problem you might have, whatever that is, and maybe it's not from a customer point of view. Maybe your customers are great. Maybe it's the fact that you walk back and forth from your high tunnel Mm eighteen times because you keep forgetting things. Because God forbid your brain stay in the you know spot it's supposed to stay in. Hypothetically, 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 yeah, yeah. maybe you might. (laughs)
1: that reminds me of a specific example. And especially, you know, you'd mentioned those uh, your friends who are flower farmers that put everything on wheels. Mm -hmm. One of the examples I remember hearing was, I can't remember the exact process, but it was something, you know, having to do in a production bed that I want to say was something like, you know, pruning and some other kind of process that they had Mm -hmm. to do to every plant in this Mm -hmm. bed. And they had several beds where that would happen. And it used to be, they would go and, you know, grab the tools and kind of carry them out there and maybe you forget the tool and there's a lot of walking Mm -hmm. back and forth between the barn and the bed and instead what they did was they bought individual carts for each of the beds where this Mm -hmm. needed to happen and then each cart got its own color-coded tools and it was like you're going to that bed you take this cart you will Mm -hmm. always have all the tools you need you do the process
0: you go back yeah
2: and that that may seem excessive but When you you're talking about labor time, like like you don't have to spend too much time walking back and forth to pay for right whatever a cart (laughs) and a couple of tools and it yeah did did we have I want to talk about the sustainability and worker experience thing. Did we have Mm -hmm. anything else we want to cover between now and then, or is it okay to launch into that? Launch, launch away. Well, that's part of it. You know, Josh, when you mentioned earlier, kind of the the ways that we talk about the P word of productivity. In, in economic terms, in personal terms, all those things, there's different people mean different things when they say that. But you were getting me fired up, you know, talking about this isn't about laying people off. And it's not just about, you know, turning the screws on people so that they work mm-hmm. more or something. Mm-hmm. There is this whole element of like human productivity being... Maximized or being optimized, I guess, would be the right word for it through lean that I think is extremely powerful because a sick worker, a mm-hmm. chronically depressed worker, a uh, generally unfulfilled worker in one way or another, is is a bad thing. It's bad for the worker. It's bad mm-hmm. for the business. It's bad for society. Mm-hmm. And I think, that's something that kind of sometimes gets missed when, when we talk about lean and it gets kind of co-opted into what I would call a Western tech bro uh, interpretation. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could talk about that just a little bit that like uh, there this maybe gets a little bit into the more uh, touchy feely side of things that I, you tend to bring up on the podcast. But I, I do think efficient work toward mm-hmm. a clear goal can mm-hmm. be a tremendously morale boosting thing yes. for a human being. Yes,
1: that it specifically mentioned the, the, the concept of like kind of overburdening, mm-hmm. you know, as it applies to a resource, but spe- it's usually talking about people making them engage in unnecessary activity at work to the task at hand. It, you know, you can make people feel alienated. You push them too hard. People have to leave, and you know that's that's not what you're mandatory pizza do here. parties. <laughs> right,
2: right Yeah, and if if and it, the thing that's ironic is sometimes the thing that you're trying to force the workers to do that is unnecessary and making their lives miserable is also detrimental to the business correct like it's there's yeah. just there's literally no win other than exercising your control over the worker that <laughs> right like you get a yeah, paid off on that sort of thing
1: right it, it's it's pure waste right yeah
3: that is not adding value to the customer
1: Correct. No. <laughs> yeah. The customer is not really getting anything from how angry your employees are at you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> this, and this sounds funny. a little bit like the happy cows commercial. Do you guys remember the happy cows commercial? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, and a lot of this is based on those principles. It wasn't by accident that they were like, Hey, we want our cows to be happy. You know, I forget which dairy yeah. ad that was for, but yeah. Yeah. And but another, yeah to that
2: Another, another, well, another part of the sustainability for me is, is the, the concept of ergonomics and, mm considering the human body engaged in a lot of these activities. And as someone who, at least I, I can speak for myself, I'm not getting any younger. Um, my body, you know, the old things that used to roll right off my back, you know, it takes a little more and, and it, all the more reason to set up a process that actually works with me rather than mm. me having to push through the process.
1: <laughs> right. Not having to be the hero, like lifting the thing up every uh, day.
3: You're talking about all the strawberry farms that harvest at a very low point.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and all of that, like kind of the the treatment of the worker, including yourself as a laborer on this. I think that was a, a key thing that stood out to me And the principles was, you know, your workers are this resource that can show you if they're the ones who are engaging in a certain aspect of the process more than you are, they can be mm-hmm. a resource that shows you a more efficient way to do it. But the only way you're going to get that buy in from them, or the, the way to make sure you never get that by them showing you how to do something more efficiently is to punish them by like cutting their hours, right? They're not mm-hmm. going to show you how to save time if the first thing that you do is like, take money away from them. So you have to like kind of make them part of the process and and share in that efficiency and create that sort of a culture where they feel, you know, uh, an investment in improving the productivity of the place.
0: Yeah for sure. And they'll they'll tell you. They'll tell you how like, how to make it better. <laughs> <laughs> right. And usually you're just like, yeah, I know and I will get to it. <laughs> Hopefully you get to it a little bit faster so they feel <laughs> right, like they're right. being valued, but
1: <laughs> Right. It would be a lot better, Alexis, if you gave me a, if you fixed the wheel on this wagon I'm pushing.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and and I think also I have heard and it makes sense. And when I've first started to give people like jobs uh, to do, if they've never done it before, I think there's another part of it. Like if you're really, if you consider yourself a really efficient weeder or something like that, um, and you know, there's going to be something that you know that you've kind of nailed and, you know, at least for the time being until you find a better process, but you, you nailed it and you've done it enough times to know how long it should take telling your like help, like, Hey, this should be about this amount of time. And obviously if they've never done it before, they're relatively new. They're going to, it's going to take them a little bit longer, but I think that has been really helpful when I've communicated with, with workers or people helping me because sometimes they're overdoing it, right? They're a little bit too focused. Like it doesn't need to be so Mm. meticulously done or, you know, or they come up and they say, Hey, I'm not getting this done anywhere close to the right amount of time. Is there, what am I missing here? And come to find out, you know, they grabbed the wrong tool uh, probably because you gave them bad directions. So it's not their fault anyways, but you know, there's, there's things along those lines. So Those time studies can be really helpful, even if it's not necessarily something you're going to change, but just so that you can communicate that with other people.
3: Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Everything we've talked about today, it's almost like it's you have to look at the big picture through a certain frame of always improving, improving, improving every single thing you touch or see or do on the farm. Um, And I know when things get busy, that's easier said than done. When you're really busy, when I get really busy at work, that's when my desk gets you know, cluttered. Mm-hmm. That's when my mind is cluttered. Uh, when I'm doing something, things tend to get cluttered, but it seems like that's everything we've talked about today is, is you just have to, to be very deliberate in your approach of always improving.
1: Yeah. That's and building, it's, you know, building that time, especially when it's busy to like, kind of maintain things where they are, it's only going to make it, you'll get more done.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Practical investment, especially if you're working with others, that communication establishment is a practical Mm -hmm. investment. I mean, it's not always an easy concept to say, Hey, I need to dedicate some time to establishing some communication with the people I'm working with. But that pays off in the end. And if it pays off in the end, it's better for the customers, a cheaper, better product, and it's going to pay off for you. I would like to think in the grand scheme of things.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, I think Josh. Any lasting thoughts? I mean, you're kind of our lean expert here. Any any because of my last... six
1: pack. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. Uber lean. Exactly. I that. will. De-
1: I'll definitely make sure to provide links in the show notes to the reference materials that I mm-hmm. like most. Leaned on.
3: Didn't I? Didn't even
1: mean to sure do that. Six pack. That was
3: like a Brett move. But... I know Brett's like <laughs> he's already thinking about the next move. So <laughs> right.
0: He's ten steps ahead.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll just say you know to check the show notes for the uh the reference materials but I think it's I mean I I have it's it's changed my life my personal life this stuff mm-hmm. so I can't really yeah. speak to it enough.
0: Don't don't get overwhelmed. It can be really overwhelming to feel like you have to do all of these things at once. Just like pick one thing. Just pick one. Yes. And yes. go Doesn't for happen. that. Be perfect. Yeah, just like,
1: it's a very that. like it's a snowballing effect. Mm-hmm. You start on one little thing and then you start getting into it. Right,
0: exactly. It becomes a habit. So anyways, well, we hope that you have – we hope you immediately thought of something that <laughs> that you could do uh, to work on. But if you have any questions about that, of course, reference those show notes. Or uh, if anything we said resonated with you, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you can do that through our email. You can do that on Instagram. Uh, and those are both in the show notes as well, I believe. So uh, those can be easily. I just want to be able to click something, let's be honest. So we hope you do that. Leave us a review. If you did something or you have in the past done Lean and something really worked out, put it in a review and just let us know. And maybe that'll help somebody else as well uh, figure out some cool things. But we are uh, so glad that you joined us today. And uh, hopefully this gives you some things to think about. And we hope that as we grow this podcast, you will grow with us and that you will join us next time. Have a great one.